Sasswat is a show about Bigfoot. It's recorded for the skeptics, the believers, the knowers, the hopers, and those who just have a casual interest in the subject. For more information, visit our Facebook page. This is Sasswat, a show about Bigfoot. I am one of your hosts, Mark Matsky, and I am joined, as usual, by my son, Andy. Hello. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. A little sleep deprived, but good. And this, <laughs> I, this week, I have a good I have a good excuse for being sleep deprived because our youth group at our church did a lock-in, and I stayed up for the whole time, which was probably from I forget when I got up, but from to that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's good. Keep rolling. Keep okay. Rolling. Good so five. It's good yeah. Vibe. So, uh, I, okay, I haven't even... I stayed up. Yeah, go ahead. I haven't asked you this, and I've totally slipped my mind until this moment. Did you or did you not get a moment to listen to Coast to Coast no, AM? No, I didn't. I was going to oh. listen... See, for our listeners, I was going to listen to Coast to Coast AM live, maybe. I was like this hope of mine, but it never materialized. I really I really should have. That would have been a first since you were a baby. A, yeah. <laughs> First conscious time listening to yeah. <laughs> just be like, oh, food. Because you listen to a lot of Coast the first year and yeah. a half of your life, whether you are conscious of it or not. But uh, yeah. that's another story, I guess. So It was fun. It was fun. I stayed up the whole time without caffeine, which I'm proud of. That's As impressive. As I sort of just said. Yeah, I did it, and I think I might have been the only person to do that. So the bottom line is you're sort of still recovering, yeah. would you say? So next time I'm going to use caffeine, I think. Are you the, serious? I don't know. <laughs> I probably won't. I'll probably have some other crazy, I'm not going to do this. So who knows what. Okay. <laughs> all right. I'm just, all right. No. Wow. So um, we've got a couple news desk items we want to get to before we launch into our very first special subject. Do you want to withhold that, or should we say it right now? You can say it right now. Say it right now, because so, this is your brainchild. This is our first episode in the Sass What Nation series. Now, we said this an episode or two ago, but the whole idea with Sass What Nation is we are going to go through all of the 50 states alphabetically and talk about Bigfoot in that state, specifically. Um, and the whole... One of the ideas we really want to get through with Sasquatch Nation from here on is that you, the listener, will be involved with us for these Sasquatch Nation episodes. So for upcoming states, we'll say the the next state, or you can just look up where we've been and figure out the next one. But if you've been to that state, if you live in that state, if you've been to a Bigfoot conference in that state, or if you've experienced something in that state right into us. So, or if you've breathed in that state. <laughs> Gone to a flying J or a speedway in that state. You, you briefly went off the road, just a little out of your way, so you'd be in that state. Bought some terrible Subway sandwiches. Anything in that state that you have experienced, please write into us. Yeah. Sounds great. And you know what? We had we didn't get any listener letters for Alabama. But we're already getting them for Colorado. Really? Yes. Thanks to one of our very best listeners. And uh, it's really cool. We've been getting a lot of 
interaction online, Facebook page and so forth. And one thing I did want to mention about that is in reference to something in the woods, we had a couple people send us information about the cases that that's actually based on. I'm really excited about that. We're going to have to revisit that because I honestly had no clue. And it turns out that it is based on a series of historic reports and uh, some of our Excellent listeners have pointed out the source material for that, so we'll be getting into that. So tonight is the very first Sasquatch Nation. It's pretty exciting. Um, I did want to say in our news desk portion tonight that there are a couple cool things coming up, one of which is, I can announce this now because it's out there, we are going to return to uh, the format that we participated in with Small Town Monsters for their uh, Kickstarter uh, launch party, and that is a Facebook Live show that we're going to be doing Thursday, March 2nd, and the starting time is probably going to be around 7 o'clock, but there's more information on the way. And to be completely frank, we are not exactly sure about the format of that quite yet. It uh, most likely will be a audio version, but there is a chance that it may be a video version as well. And so we're working out the details on that end. But our friends in Wadsworth are working with us on this. And they're excited, maybe even more so than we are. So that's really good to have people on your side like that. Uh, So that's something to look for. Again, that is going to be Thursday, March 2nd on Facebook. Uh, You'll want to go to the Small Town Monsters Facebook page. And we'll just go live and uh, freestyle some Bigfoot rhymes probably. Get our DJ board yeah. set up and just start scratching, and Andy will <laughs> do his Bigfoot rap across the 50 states. I think you'll enjoy it very much. Um, the other thing is, in the continuing world of Bigfoot, it seems like these days there's a new news story coming out on a weekly basis. And this one hit on February 18th. And it's about a trackway that was discovered in Washington. And the story goes like this. This is from the uh, Coast Zone newsletter. A Bigfoot researcher in Washington state suspects that a half-mile series of intriguing tracks discovered in the snow earlier this week may be a sign of Sasquatch. The odd impressions were found on Monday by a resident in the town of Sunny Slope who noticed the prints in a field. A subsequent investigation by veteran Bigfoot researcher Paul Graves shed additional light on the trail of tracks that boasted an enormous stride. According to his observations, the tracks measure around two feet long and approximately five inches wide at the heel, but were strangely only two inches deep. Graves' theory for the remarkably shallow depth of the prints is that it's due to both natural weathering and the enormous foot of the Sasquatch acting almost like a snowshoe for the creature. A closer examination of the prints indicated that there were no signs that they came from deer hooves and the incredible single-file nature of the line of the track seems impossible for a human to accomplish while wearing snowshoes. Along with a group of other researchers and a local reporter, Graves tracked the lengthy trail of prints through two orchards, a field, and even across a road. While skeptics will no doubt suggest any number of natural, non-Bigfoot-related causes for the perplexing, perplexing, series of prints, Graves and his fellow investigators were fairly confident that the tracks came from the legendary cryptid. Unfortunately, since the tracks were not found until long after their creator had left the area, the investigators were left with little more than photos, measurements, 
and some plaster casts of the prints. That said, the puzzling prints are perfectly timed to the news earlier in the week that Bigfoot is about to be named Washington State's official cryptid. With that in mind, perhaps the tracks found in Sunny Slope were simply the result of Sasquatch celebrating its impending title with a night on the town. Sunny Slope Trackway. Sunny Slope. What do you think about all that? That's a big foot. Um, two feet? That's... Would that be that huge one we have? That's only Yeah, it'd be awfully that's close. That's huge. And I do kind of like the idea, the huge foot acting like almost a snowshoe. But, you know, definitely the the impression is kind of... It's weird since something with Bigfoot tracks is they're always so deep. I Like people jumping off stumps and they can't even get as deep as these footprints were. So... I can't, I don't really know about these. I think it's, I think it's interesting that another trailway is found. I'm glad it got news attention. And I think that's awesome about the official cryptid. That's pretty cool. Um, I'm, I wonder if two states can claim one cryptid in official states thing. Cause I'm pretty sure they can. I think Cardinal is official bird of more than one state. So Maybe other states won't have to scrounge around, and by 50, we won't be like, <laughs> um, Mongolian deathworm for Ohio. So that sounds awesome. That's awesome about that. The thing with trackways always that catches my attention, and one of the things that allegedly authenticates Bigfoot trackways is the single file nature of the prints. That always is really just intriguing to me because it seems like that would be extremely hard to fake. And if, you, if you're if you having a, a hoax situation, um, that's just not a motion that you could replicate very easily. Um, so that, together with the, the sheer size of these tracks, I mean, it, what it suggests to me, I guess, is that the creature was running or whatever made these tracks was running. And that could help explain the lack of depth as well. So anyway, it's a, a kind of a cool story. It seems like there's just been a lot of these trackway finds as of recently. I'd love to see pictures of it, although it sounds like the track had degraded in the snow. Mm-hmm. So I, it's hard to say, but is, the the size is cool. I love is, the bigger the mm-hmm. better, sort of, as far as these stories go, I just in terms of being excited about it. There is something with, yeah... Just with the size, I do, the thing with the the degrading of the track definitely does take away from the fact that the size could be big, but then the truth is, really, like you said, bigger the better. I mean, it sounds awesome. So now to the main event of our show, which is, as we stated earlier, the first installment in our Saswat Nation series, and... We have said this before, but our first state is Alabama, and it's sh- and really, right off the gate, I want to say looking for Alabama Bigfoot report reports was not that hard. So I'm looking forward to say to seeing what you found, and I'm looking forward to say what I found. Yeah, exactly. It's uh, it's fascinating because I thought, kind of like you, starting off with Alabama. Um, 
was going to be a test of our researching ability, but it really didn't end up that way. And in fact, there are a great number of historical Alabama Bigfoot reports, and uh, you can find a lot of them, as we did, in sources like Chad Arment's Historical Bigfoot, uh, John Green, uh, Apes Among Us, actually had a, more than a handful of Alabama reports that stretch back a while, and many of which we're going to touch on this evening. Just a couple uh, facts about Alabama to kind of set the stage. We're going to try and do this every time that we uh, get into the subject, and that is, first of all, uh, Alabama evidently was the name of a southern Indian tribe that settled in this, what today is central Alabama. The first historical record from a European source of the name appears about in 1540, which goes back quite a ways, and I believe DeSoto was the name of the explorer who noted that name in writing. There's like so many place names in the United States, there is a lot of debate surrounding the uh, philological and linguistic origins of where the name come from, what comes from, what it means. Uh, one, the most compelling um, definition of Alabama that I saw came from a Choctaw scholar who uh, insisted that the name Alabama means thicket clearers. So the idea being that the tribe cleared out a lot of the dense thicket and forest so that they could establish a place to live. And I thought that was a pretty cool name. All the others were just really inconclusive as to uh, some sort of name behind Alabama. As far as the state is concerned, we're talking about the 30th largest of 50 states, so it's not huge geographically. We're talking about 52,423 square miles, and in 2014, a population of 4.8 million people. Uh, the general... Um, it's like the loudest train that's ever yeah. gone by our house, <laughs> beginning with the, the train whistle and now the uh, attendant rumble. It's still going on. So thanks for hanging in with us there. Yeah. Um, live down by the tracks, we do. But uh, yeah, 4.8 million, hot, humid summers, mild winters. And the thing that I found very intriguing, very interesting is that Alabama is pretty much divided up into four regions. Alabama does um, have a Gulf Coast plain. So you're, you're talking about, you know, ocean water being part of its southerly edge. Then there's the Piedmont Plateau, a ridge and valley section, and then an Appalachian Plateau. And for our purposes, especially when I get to the more modern reports, we're talking about the north-central part of the state where the vast majority of these reports come from. So if you look on a topographical map, you can see how we're talking about the Cumberland, uh, Cumberland Plateau and the Highland Rim, which from a sort of Sasquatch perspective makes a lot of sense in terms of the terrain that you would associate with the Bigfoot, rolling hills, densely forested, um, sparsely populated for the most part. So that sort of sets the stage, uh, even if, you know, like like me, 
Alabama is not a place where you've necessarily thought of as a Bigfoot hotspot. Is there habitat there that could support a, uh, you know, a smallish population of these creatures? It seems that way. Uh, maybe not so much down in the south towards the ocean, but when you get to the more northerly sections, um, it seems like it becomes more and more likely. And when you look at the Alabama.gov webpage, there's an awful lot in terms of outdoor activities and fishing and hunting, and they really play that up. So I'm assuming that that means that there's plentiful state parks and wildlife areas and things of that nature. Yeah. With the topographical areas and the geographical areas, I found that most of my reports are from the northern part of the state. Um, I did a little research on most of the places where the reports took place, and they were all northern. In one case, it was actually probably only probably 50-some miles away from another report I had looked up. It had been, I was looking around on, on the map on my phone. I was like, wow, these are, these are close together. So very interesting how they are all, they seem to be more northern, which would be closer to areas we think more of when we think Bigfoot. All right, so what do you got for us as far as reports? So, you mentioned briefly earlier John Green. I do have to say most of my reports, um, even though they were found in different books, they were all like, this is from John Green. And this is one of those where the source was John Green, yet it was not in one of John Green's books. This comes from Marion T. Place's Bigfoot All Over the Country. It takes place in... Dothan, Alabama, I believe I copied that down right, um, in May, on May 23rd, 1976, a Baptist minister was driving along a wooded area at the city limits when something dark lunged across the road. The face was, was a blend of human and the eyes were red. The creature was slightly under six feet tall, very heavily built and covered in dark hair. As the minister accelerated his car to get away, the creature ran alongside the car. And this is where the report gets really weird. He accelerates so fast that he notices on the speedometer, it says 70 miles an hour, and that's when the creature disappears. Not poof, gone, but runs into the woods. You have to think how fast this creature had to go. It was... It was going so fast, it kept up with him when he was going 50, 60 miles an hour. So that's my first sighting report that I have. That's awesome. That actually is in Apes Among Us. Oh, so I had the very same you. report Sorry. bookmarked. And one detail that I wanted to bring out about what you said is that the, uh, the reverend estimated that it had run beside the car for about a mile. So I don't know if that means... He was running close to 70 miles an hour for a mile. I mean, that just is, it's astounding. But I love these type of stories because when you have um, reports that are are coming from the source of, let's say, a pastor, for somewhat obvious reasons, that gets my attention right away. And, you know, you have to, I have to assume that, that is a person in a community 
who is very, very highly attuned to public perception. In other words, for a, a pastor to publicly report a Bigfoot sighting, and not just a Bigfoot sighting, but a sighting in which the creature runs alongside your car and you're clocking him at 70 miles an hour, you must know that if you go public with this, then people are going to talk and they're going to reach their conclusions about what you saw and what condition you were in when you saw this. And all of which is to say, it gives it the ring of authenticity to me right off the bat, because a pastor is a person who has a lot mm-hmm. to lose for making that sort of information public and has nothing to gain by doing it. So I found that just a very eye-opening report. Um, another report that I found was, where is this from? I don't think I have where this is from. I'm sorry. This was in 1958. Um, I don't have this from, I'm sorry. Um, but this was during a thunderstorm and it was a farmer going out to check his barn. Um, and as he went to check out his barn, the farmer saw what he thought was a man coming out of the barn, but then there is a flash of lightning, and he saw clearly for a moment what made his hair stand on end. It was big, and his body was all hairy. He wasn't wearing clothes, and he had a face like a gorilla. And then the creature runs off into the woods with a pig under one arm and chickens under the other. (laughs) So, you know, you're going out to your barn thinking maybe there's a little water in the barn. No, this big hairy creature comes out and, you know, has one of your pigs under its arms and then chickens under the other. And it just runs fast out of there. Eh, Normal thunderstorm in Alabama. (laughs) That would would absolutely blow your mind, wouldn't it? I mean, that would just... I don't know I how would, you would react to that. I I would scream. Was there a location with that, did you say? I don't have one. I have the book right next to me where I got it from. Oh, okay. So no, that's, that's okay. Um, the thing that brings to mind is that there seems to be a whole genre of reports in which you're talking about a farmer and noticing livestock, in this case, being an eyewitness to your livestock being taken from you And it seems like barns factor into an awful lot of reports when you stop and think about the number of reports that are out there about hearing something in your barn, or in this case, you actually see something emerging from it or like peeking around the corner. It just seems like time and again, and it makes sense. I mean, Mm -hmm. you're in a rural setting, you have lots of cover, um, there's lots that's been written about how Bigfoot likes to travel through fields or along field edges. And um, this seems just to line up with a lot of those kind of reports. And the classic pig under the arm is a very classic Bigfoot sealing my pigs and they took them under one arm is kind of a classic report. So I think, yeah, it didn't say in my the book where it was from. So sorry. No, it's okay. That's fine. Um, yeah, I mean, everything from The Legend of Boggy Creek in the opening segment of that, you have the hog napping going on. 
Uh, we did the Childhood Encounters episode just a couple a uh, couple weeks ago where um, the little girl, when she was young, saw Bigfoot lifting a pig in the air. That's a weird one because it seems like it just arbitrarily killed the pig but didn't take it away, which is unusual. Usually these things are being taken away to be a banquet of some sort for uh, Bigfoot and maybe some of his closest friends. <laughs> So, Come over, I, I killed this pig. Yeah. It's Stole a special day. farmer again. It's life day for the big feet. So um, some of the reports that I wanted to touch on is going back in time to some of those historical type reports. And all the ones that I'm going to mention are coming out of Chad Arment's The Historical Bigfoot. And you may have referenced this one, I thought, as is we were talking about. Bend? I'm sorry? Is it Horseshoe Bend? No, Bear Creek. Oh, yeah, same one. Yeah, okay, it's this, okay. Go ahead. This comes, yeah. Well, you you scooped my <laughs> report. So, eighteen eighties, uh, board and board, and there we're talking about um, the authors of the Bigfoot casebook noted the report of a fisherman near Bear Bear Creek who found himself being watched by a large creature which jumped into the creek and fled when noticed. That's all it says about that one. But there are plenty more. This one is from Anniston, Alabama. And you know what? It's very interesting because this brings up how the old newspapers worked. Because, you know, you've got the story coming out of Anniston, Alabama, but it appeared in the Oshkosh, Wisconsin Northwestern in 1938. And like this, the other ones, Anniston, Alabama, once again, April 15th. This one was reported in Hammond, Indiana Times. Same year, 1938. So it's... 18 or 19? 19. 19, why? Because the the Bear Creek I have is 18. Okay. Bear Creek was 1880s. Sorry. But these ones that I'm mentioning here are 1938. For example, Harry Wildman sought in swamp. A wild man who runs on all fours, chases dogs, and frightened farmers is being sought in a dense swamp in the Chocolaco Valley. I swear I swear that's what it says. <laughs> I'm not making this up. Sheriff W.P. Cotton led a posse in search of the strange beast, which, farmers insisted, was accompanied by a woman and a child, both as savage in appearance and actions as the man. Rex Biddle, a farmer, told Sheriff Cotton that the man approached his home walking on all fours in the manner of an ape. He was about five feet tall and had hair all over his body. Biddle said he was unclothed. Despite his beast-like appearance, his nose and other features indicated he was human. Biddle said he reached for his gun but didn't shoot because, quote, I didn't know whether that would be legal, unquote. Roy Story, another farmer, said the creature followed him for a time and then, quote, dropped to all fours and chased my pet dog into the swamp, unquote. Residents of the district petitioned the sheriff to catch this thing or we are moving out. So that follows some of the classic contours of these older reports including the forming of the posse, and we're going to go get him. It also has sort of that very modern um, idea of, should I shoot Bigfoot or not? And it doesn't get to this point in this particular report, but you have that classic, you have the creature in your crosshairs, and you just can't pull the trigger because it looks too human. And here, you know, he says it as, I didn't know whether that would be legal or not, which is a whole can of worms that we're going to have to get into in a future episode, but I don't think we should do that tonight. 
Here's the other Anniston, Alabama story from April 15, 1938. This says, Swamps of Alabama said to shelter man, woman, and child. So it's a variation on the one that we just heard. Through the soggy, mud-ridden swamps of Chocolaco at the foot of Chocolaco Mountain. <laughs> That's awesome. Chocolaco. Choc- I'm going to go to Dairy Queen and order the <laughs> Chocolaco Blizzard. That would be great. So, at the foot of Chocolaco Mountain, sheriff's deputies neither believing or disbelieving today's search for a wild man and wild woman and a child. The strange hunt started when reports reached Sheriff P.W. Cotton that folk by the mountain had been frightened and whole flocks of livestock had stampeded at the sight of this family that wore no clothes. Rex Biddle, a farmer, brought the first word of the strange family. The trio, he said, approached his home, then apparently frightened, fled. Officers revealing the tale given them by Riddle said the farmer didn't know whether to shoot or not as he didn't know whether it was legal. Piecing together the various tales given them, officers gave this description of the man. He walked stooped like a gorilla. He roared like a lion. He wore no clothes, but he had more hair than humans. The child, they said, was, quote, animal-like, unquote, but where the strange family came from, no one knew unless driven from an abode in the swamp by high flood waters. And then the next report from San Mateo, California Times, is this update on the posse, and they didn't recover anything. Um, can I add something to your Absolute. first report? Yes, please do. Um, a few winters after that first Alabama report you mentioned, some, I believe it was trappers, were around some a bluff region, and they saw... Bare footprints in the snow. And that was in the same area as the, um, as your first report. They followed the tracks and they saw where it had turned and looked back at them. And they sort of theorized that if they would have been looking up as opposed to looking down at the tracks, they would have seen it. Hmm. So... That's my adding to that other to that other report. And that was from the northwest part of the state. So there's northern, northwestern Alabama. Um, see if I can add anything else to that. Um, I think it had reddish brown hair. And I think it's interesting the fact that it brings up that it jumped into water. I thought that was cool. Yes. Yes. Now, here is one, again, from John Green. And I think it's related to this that you're talking about. It's uh, uh, Green writes, Another story linking a Sasquatch to a body of water came to light recently, although the events referred to took place in the 1880s. It's the same one. Okay. Well, this is the details. The Red Bay, Alabama News, May 6, 1976, quoted a letter written by Fred Collum, a resident of the area. And so this is Collum's letter. I thought maybe someone in the area might be interested in hearing of an incident I heard about many years ago. It happened in the Horseshoe Bend area of Bear Creek. The man involved was Mr. Jade Davis. He told me this when I was a small boy. I later confirmed the story by his son, Mr. Arthur Davis of Red Bay. This happened around the 1880s. At this time, many families lived in this remote area on small farms and supplemented their food supply by hunting, fishing, and trapping. One morning, Mr. Davis went fishing and carried his gun along in case some game showed up. He was fishing at the lower or west end of the Big Bluff near where 
Haithcock Branch runs into Bear Creek. While fishing, he became aware that he was being watched. He turned and looked behind him. About 30 feet away stood a hairy creature that looked like a man. His body was covered with reddish-brown hair. His head and shoulders had turned gray. It seemed to be very old. Mr. Davis said its eyes were reddish like an old person. Not knowing what the creature might do, he reached for his gun, which was lying on the ground beside him, but as soon as he moved, the creature jumped into the creek and disappeared under the rocky banks. Mr. Davis told me he thought it was a man that had gone wild. He said he never went near the place again. A few winters later, some other people were hunting in the area. It had been snowing, and they were walking the bluffs where the snow had not collected. When they reached the lower end of the bluffs where the snow had drifted, they saw what they thought were barefoot tracks of a man in the snow. It had been under the bluffs and had moved out ahead of them. They followed the tracks and found where it had stopped and looked back at them. If they had been looking ahead, they would have seen it. They followed the tracks to the creek where they disappeared over the creek bank at the same place where Mr. Davis had seen it disappear. He believed there was an underwater cave that led back under the mountain. At this time, no one had ever heard of a, quote, Bigfoot, unquote. No doubt that is what it was. No one ever knew if there were more than one of these creatures in the area, From what we have heard later, these creatures are very shy and seem to be harmless. Maybe someday someone will find their remains. So that's the actual letter that was written into uh, the Red Bay, Alabama News in 1976. So do you have any other reports? I have plenty of other reports. Mm -hmm. Um, This one is occurred in Jefferson County in 1946. It was related by the grand to a grandchild by the principal witness. The witness, the person says, "My grandmother heard this loud blood-curdling scream come from down at the foot of the mountain. She never heard anything like it in her life. She said it made her hair stand on end." It would scream every couple of minutes, and each time she could tell it was coming up the mountain and closer to the house. She had no telephone and was three miles from the closest neighbor. So she grabbed Grandpa's shotgun, locked all the doors and windows, and turned out all the lights but the porch light. She thought she was dealing with a black panther or mountain lion because the scream sounded like a cross between a cougar and a woman but deeper and raspier. She could tell that the creature was circling the house and was staying at the edge of the light. The creature screamed again. It sounded like it was right behind the house. Suddenly, she heard a loud thump, as if something big had jumped onto the porch. She could hear something kind of shuffle towards the door. She looked and saw this huge, shaggy creature on two legs looking across the porch. She said it was covered in shaggy hair and had real long, thick arms. Suddenly, she heard a pickup truck coming. The creature bounded off the porch in two steps and was gone. My aunts and their dates came up and said that they had seen a bear run off. My grandmother told them that that was no bear. About this time, it began to scream, and the boys could tell it was in the woods. They got their guns, and with the headlights of the pickup truck, tried to spot it and get a shot at it. It screamed a couple of times, and then it was gone. The next morning, there was oily hair found on nails on the porch that smelled like rotten eggs, and a few big footprints in the dust. 
Grandma heard the scream several more times in the middle of the night, but it never came back up the mountain. That's a fantastic story. I love story. that story. Yeah. That, that was either the second or was either the first or second report I read out of out of, out of Alabama. I was like, uh huh, Alabama's going to be a good state. <laughs> so that's like almost like the Ford incident, almost to yeah. a certain degree. It's circling the house. Why was it mad at the house? Who knows? It's mad. Yeah, you screaming. can't you can't help but think of the Ford incident uh, with regard to Boggy Creek and Falk. Um, just some classic details to that that you find in common with a lot of these. I've always wondered if Bigfoot came up to your house, um, cry how, and hide. Yeah, how would you how would you deal with that? And like, um, how could you stay there? That's the thing that's always interested me. And I, I think what you're going to notice as we make our way through these Alabama reports that in almost every case the uh, witness was armed in some respect. But I don't know that that would help necessarily. I mean, given all the reports that we've heard about firing at Bigfoot in vain, and it never seems to even drop the creature, um, you know, you hear the cries after you've tried to chase it from your property uh, fully armed. Um, It just would... I can't imagine what that would really be like and how people can stay. And in the case of the Ford residents, they didn't. Uh, They couldn't stay. And I think you could understand why that is. Anything else from that? From this book, I'll have something a little later. I just need to, I need to find it again. Okay. It's really cool if I'm remembering right. All right. Well, I was somewhat surprised to find an Alabama Bigfoot report in John Keel's the Complete Guide to Mysterious Beings. Can I ask you what made you look in that book? You I'm can ask, there. but I don't know the answer to that. Why? It's on my what? shelf. Oh, okay. <laughs> you just you just picked it up. That's awesome. That yeah. was me. I was like going yeah, through. It was just I was going cause... through all my Bigfoot books from left to right, looking in the table of contents for Alabama, and if they didn't have a table of content or index, yeah. too bad. It was just a glimmer of memory that there were <laughs> these type of reports in this Great. book. So here's what he writes, and it's in the it's in the Keel style for sure. He says, a quote-unquote booger, as the locals call it, created quite a stir around Clanton, Alabama in the fall of 1960. Several witnesses reported seeing a tall, hairy creature around Walnut Creek. A posse was formed and found footprints which resembled those of a giant ape. Shortly after the posse quit the chase, the Reverend E.C. Hand saw the monster near Liberty Hill, grabbed his shotgun, and pursued it, but it got away. I can make my dogs catch a mule, Reverend Hand said, but I could not get them to venture out toward the booger. As time passed, there were more reports. Some witnesses claimed the animal made a sound like a woman screaming. Others said it sounded more like an elephant. It also prowled peach orchards, apparently sampling peaches. (laughs) Five years later, on August 30th, 1965, the Union banner at Clanton carried this illuminating story. Some six years ago, several people out on Walnut Creek, a mile or so from Clanton, reported seeing some animal like a bear. It made some curious sounds at night, kindly like a woman in distress. It ranged up and down the creek for a distance of some ten miles. Then some four years ago, something made tracks in peach orchards some three miles south of Clanton near large swamps. It was supposed to vanish into the swamps at night. A cement cast was made of the track, about the size of a person's foot, but looking more like a hand. 
the cast is still somewhere in Clanton. That's awesome. That's a great story. With the whole, again, you know, the posse. The posse's classic, but it's just great that whole story. I love it. It's just classic. As we're fi- looking through these reports, it's classic Alabama Pigfoot. It is. Posse, you, gun. <laughs> a posse. You've got a preacher with a gun. <laughs> And I love the detail of him, of this creature, whatever it was, um, going after peaches. I think that that's such a cool He's touch. He's smart. He's smart. He's very smart. Peaches? He's got good taste. Bigfoots around here just go for apples. You know, Alabama Bigfoots are smart. They go for peaches. Now, And the, the foot that looks like a hand captures your attention, too. It makes you think some of these historical reports, you know, 1960 and 65 isn't that historical, but... You have so many of those referred to as gorillas, and it just makes you wonder where where's the line between uh, mysterious apes and Bigfoot? You know, is there a species difference? Are you we just reporting things in a different way, and it's all the same creature or not? But I, I just love how that mixes things up a little bit. Now, I have a few stories that tie in with each other. This is. My last few reports have been from Bigfoot across America. Um, There's a lot of Alabama stories in here. And this comes from, this is in the early 70s. Bigfoot invaded the small Randolph County community of Wade, Wadley? Wadley? See, I want to get this right. I'd say Wadley. Wadley. If you live in Wadley, please write us in and tell us how <laughs> our Wadley. Include phonetic pronunciations, <laughs> please. Thank you. Wa- Wadley, I know I can't say it. In one incident, a local policeman was sitting in his parked car near some woods just outside of town one morning when he happened to gl- glance in his rearview mirror at and spot what he at first thought was a tall man in dark clothing approaching. When the figure got to within 20 yards of the officer... He saw that the man was actually a creature covered in reddish-brown hair and standing about seven feet tall. Distinguishing his pistol, meh, bah. I can't read. What was that? I can't read now. Distinguishing, distinguishing his dis- pistol? No, not distinguishing. I can't read. <laughs> deciding. Deciding. I'm sorry. I can't read. I'm sleep-deprived. Uh, deciding his pistol might not be enough to stop the creature. <laughs> if it came to that, the policeman drove into town. And then there is a report that I'll, I'll read. It's another Wade, Wadley, Wadley incident. A man heard a hair-raising screams and his dogs barking outside his home one night. Peering out the window, he saw Bigfoot walking by about six feet away when the man's dogs yapping at his feet. The, witnesses only, the witness only saw the creature from the back, but said it stood somewhere from seven to seven and a half feet tall and had long arms. Now, this is my favorite Wadley, Alabama Bigfoot story. And it says, Dogs also figure prima... prima bleh. It's my favorite. I can't read it. Dogs feature predominantly in most dramatic Bigfoot incident to occur in Wadley that year. And this is probably my favorite Alabama story. Okay, awesome. A local farmer was driving outside town in mid-afternoon when he observed a tall creature covered in reddish-brown fur cross the road ahead of him and walked into the adjoining woods. 
Since the witness had a 12-gauge shotgun and a pack of hunting hounds in his trunk, truck, not trunk, in his truck at the, the time. The trunk of his truck. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> probably. <laughs> hunting hounds in his truck at the time, he decided to stop and give chase. The dogs picked up the scent immediately and went off in hot pursuit of their quarry, barking more excitedly than their owner had ever heard them. But by the time the witness caught up to them, the hounds had tr- had treed. Sorry, I can't mm-hmm. read, treed the Bigfoot. Oh, really? From a distance, <laughs> the man could see the creature sitting on a limb about six feet up a large oak. Suddenly, the Bigfoot jumped to the ground, and entered into a fierce struggle with the dogs. As the man watched, the Bigfoot hit and kicked at the circling canines. At one point in the melee, the creature picked up a dog and threw it onto the, into the midst of the others. Finally, the Bigfoot let out a mighty yell, and the dogs scattered, running pell-mell past the witness in the direction of the truck. The man watched as the Bigfoot ran off. When he got back to his truck, he found the do- his dogs licking their wounds. Wow, that is fantastic! I had never ever heard that story before. That Bigfoot was- finding dogs. Bigfoot. Coolest. I love that idea of him being treed and then jumping down. I mean, that just that like made a movie in my head when you read that report. That was awesome. It- and it, it that very much, I mean, th- we could do show after show about the adversarial relationship between dogs and Bigfoot, and to actually see these hunting dogs uh, going at it with the creature, and just the, those details are just amazing, like bellowing and they scatter. I mean, you can just see it. That's great. That's great. I read that for the first time. I was like, what? Now, I was going to wait to the end to do this, but I think it'd be worthwhile right now to say so far what have been some commonalities that you've noticed in these reddish brown fur yeah all the witnesses having guns and probably the fur is probably the most common thing mm-hmm. um like smell. the color you yeah mean? the color the color reddish brown mm-hmm. shaggy is always mentioned it seems like um bad smell Seems to be commonly mentioned. And even though, though it's probably because I've been focusing on historical reports, not a lot of it's Bigfoot. It's more wild man stories. But that's probably it. Is And maybe... I think the, the woman screaming mm-hmm. type sound, which is really, you know, that is something that has perplexed me, I think, forever in looking into Bigfoot reports is... You know, a Ohio howl is one thing, and sort of a, a bellow or a roar is one thing. But the woman screaming is just, I still haven't worked out in my own mind what that would really sound like. I mean, besides the obvious, like Fay Ray screaming in King Kong, but that can't be it, can it? Is that really what it sounds like? Because it, it always sounds, when people say that, they no. say it's like a woman being murdered, which is a weird way of describing something. How do you Unless know? you've heard a woman <laughs> being murdered, which I, I hope no one has heard that. But I don't know. But it just, I guess it is uh, unsettling mm-hmm. sort of sound to hear out in the woods. I like how the one story I read described it as a black panther. <laughs> It's like comparing one cryptid with another. Well, but it's right. like the cougar the cougar idea, which would be like, oh, yeah, 
mm-hmm. as you can imagine. Like, sure. And then like raspier, which I I think is very interesting. Like rah. <laughs> right. So, exactly like that. So yeah, that that like. is. They talk like that. They're like Wah. maybe that. Wah. Maybe- you just solved it for yeah. me, I think. You're welcome. Okay. Is this a modern sighting you have? Yeah. Well, I'm, the last couple of reports that I want to share take this up to sort of the modern day. We're into the 2000s at least. And these reports all come off of the BFRO website. And they're centered in Morgan County, Alabama, which is north central. So once again, we're talking about that ridge area. And these were just compelling. I wanted to share these. Uh, This is from 2012, uh, August, Morgan County, Alabama, um, near the Tennessee River. And this is really, this is good. My sighting happened last summer. I was kayaking down a creek. It was about the middle of the day. I was coming down the creek. The creek I was coming down is deep in some parts and shallow in some others. There are always deer and turkey moving through. When I came around the curve in the creek, a splash happened right in front of me. I thought it may have been a fish, so I kept paddling. Then three more splashes hit by me. The last splash I saw, it was a rock. So I slowed down in the creek to look. I started looking in the direction the rocks came from. It was sitting on its knees like a person would. Then it stood up. When it stood up, the hair on my back, the back of my neck did. Me and it made eye contact for around 30 seconds. I turned and started running through, it turned and started running through the woods. I've seen and heard people run through the woods. Its stride was wider than any human's. When it ran, it didn't bother dodging sticks and stuff. It just ran through the brush. After that, I turned around and started paddling back to my truck. I went back down there that night to see if I could spotlight it. I'd done a howl and waited to see if it would respond, but then I heard two knocks back to back. I knocked on a tree. It knocked back at me, but it was off in the distance, so I couldn't see it. When I went back the next day, you could see on the brush where it ran through. You could see where the bark on the tree was missing from where it looked as if its nails dug in when it turned around. I've heard knocks before, but never thought anything of it. That's a great report. That has rocks. That has knocks. Has rhyming. Um, rocks and knocks. <laughs> rocks and knocks. Um it's such an interesting idea of Bigfoot just bolting through the forest without going, like, trying to miss the twig, just, like, moving through it and breaking everything, which might explain, like, tree breaks, where it looks like it's been, you know, eight feet up, it's been hit, and there's no wind or anything, which is a very interesting idea that it would just be running, not doing this as a sign. Yeah, and once again, we have this behavior of the throwing of rocks that seems to be extremely precise. You know, you don't hit the person, but you hit around the person in order to warn them off. That, that's another thing that's always intrigued me, is the excellent aim of the Sasquatch. You need them in the three-point contest. <laughs> right, right. So, uh, very interesting connection to water there, which is another thing that I suppose that we should mention in terms of Alabama reports, is that, like many other Bigfoot reports before mm-hmm. and since, we're talking about one, a, a whole bunch of reports where the creature was sighted near a body of water. And if this is, in fact, a biological creature, that only makes sense that they would need a nearby source. This one comes from October of 2000, again, Morgan County, Alabama. And you're south of the Tennessee River this time in an area called 
Valhermosa Springs. And the report goes like this. I and my husband were driving down Cabbage Patch, a narrow gravel road near Pine Thicket, looking for deer. My husband said, what is that? I looked and said, what the heck is that? I saw a large brown object slightly bent over as if to pick up something. It raised straight upon two legs, had long arms, broad shoulders, and stood about seven to eight foot tall, very hairy. About that time it ran into the pine thicket with the speed of lightning. We were about 20 to 30 yards from it. We went back to the site the next morning and we found a small footprint about eight inches long and a big footprint about 13 inches long in sight of where we seen it. We found some hair on a fence and metal poles that have been stepped on and bent over the fence, was pulled up off the post and bottom fence all the way to the ground. We found a persimmon in the area that it was seen, and there was no persimmon tree nowhere to be found. The sighting was about 1.30 p.m. Central Standard Time. It was about a half mile away from my house. We found hair on barbed wire fence and fence pulled apart. Metal poles have been bent, 8-inch and 13-inch tracks, um... A week before, my brother-in-law was scouting and heard a couple of screams like he had never heard before. It wasn't human and wasn't like any animal he had heard before, and he knows his animals. He's a big hunter. I think another thing with Alabama is that the witnesses go back. It's not just they see it. It's the witnesses go back. They carry guns and they go back. Good job, Alabama. Good job. It's pretty smart. I mean, I, I think it's understandable. And as, you know, culturally speaking, and also if you're going to return to an area where you saw something seven to eight feet tall, you may want to be able to defend yourself. The other thing I like about that is, is the uh, the possible corroboration of somebody else's experience having some type of unexplained uh, hearing uh, of the creature. And then this last one I really liked as well. Um Again, Morgan County, summer of 2000. The nearest town is Huntsville, Alabama. Um, It says this. My husband has described a hairy biped that's been seen by him on at least two occasions and by his father on one occasion on Brindley Mountain in Morgan County, Alabama. This biped is well known to residents of this side of the mountain. I've always been skeptical, thinking perhaps they were seeing bears or such. My husband is a seasoned outdoorsman, however, and he rarely mistakes wildlife. In summer of 99, my husband was clearing land for a family member close to a bluff where sightings were reported off and on. I was sitting on a car watching him in a tree. He's a tree surgeon. I happened to look off toward the tree line for no reason that I recall, and I saw perhaps several hundred feet off a tall, reddish, man-like creature with no apparent neck standing off in the shadows of the tree line. I looked up at my husband and gestured toward the area. Upon looking back, the creature was gone. My husband's nephew was also sitting next to me, and he saw the same thing I saw. I still to this day wonder what in the world I saw. I know bear, having seen many, and having traveled out west, this was no bear. Since that incident, my husband was hunting, and he and his father saw from their tree posts the same creature. He would have to tell you the details. He has had, I believe, one other sighting, but there are many accounts within his family and surrounding neighbors on the bluff. I've heard screams late at night around 2 or 3 a.m. that no one can match them to any certain animal. They're very similar to sound files we've heard online, very much like a bobcat-slash-hound-dog combo. It's like a howl scream, very loud and drawn out. We continue to watch for further evidence, but have not heard of any activity for a couple of seasons to date. Screams... 
no neck. That's a classic. Another classic. Gesturing. Um, that's great. Hound dog bobcat combo. Yeah. Add that to Chocolocolaco. Yeah. Morgan I, County rings a bell for some reason. The, the, well, there's a Morgan County, Ohio. That's probably it. But um, the thing that I really gets your imagination going is how the person reporting this says, like, there have been sightings that everybody knows about on the side of the mountain and just makes it sound like the people in that vicinity just sort of accept that there's something out there, which that's just fascinating to me. The follow-up investigation from the BFRO had this to say, this family has experienced five other sightings by three generations over the last 40 years in the same area. There have been many other sightings in this area over the years. This area is full of caves and sinkholes, and some other sightings have occurred near these features. Family's been very helpful, provided much information, and so forth. Five? Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Multiple generations? That's awesome. That's that's perfect. And modern. I'm glad we got modern in here. Yes. So it seems as if the habitat is there. You're dealing with a uh, general-sized Bigfoot. Reddish-brown seems to be a strong, reoccurring feature. And... Um, you know the waterways. the The northern part of the state is is by far the concentration of the area. Um, anything else you want to say about Alabama reports? Alabama, you have surprised me. You have been the perfect start to Sasquatch Nation. So, thank you, Alabama, for being such a great Bigfoot state. You you surprised me. I thought be I dig through everything and maybe get three and. Through all this, we've gotten, you know, I haven't even said, I didn't say everything, which I guess maybe we could have a follow-up someday. <laughs> that's, a, that's a very sassuety thing to say. <laughs> we'll, we'll follow that up someday. <laughs> but you're right. Sassuet Nation right. Series 2, if we go through the states again. Yeah, Alabama exceeded my expectations as well, and uh, just a fascinating series of reports. If you'd like to get in touch with us, there's a variety of ways to do that. You can write us at sasswetmail at gmail.com. Check out our Facebook page. What's what we... <laughs> Andy's touching his own arm. In getting in touch with himself in and me. <laughs> Sleep deprived, people. It's not, uh, yeah. it's not pretty. But you can find us at our... You can reach out and touch us at our Facebook page. Uh, also, we're on Twitter, at Sasswet Show. Um, hello to everybody listening on Wadsworth Community Radio, 97.1 FM. Also available on the, uh, what's that, TuneIn app. Yeah, which I like to do just to see... If we're really on the radio, sure and you it, guys are on, it would appear that it's true. We're really on there, so that's cool. Uh, hello, everyone in Wadsworth, and uh, just a reminder the, for the Facebook Live Small Town Monsters broadcast. It's going to take place Thursday, March second. Crinkle, crinkle, crinkle. <laughs> Don't eat the clues. Pop culture reference on Sasswood? What?